Hello and welcome to Fast Charge, the weekly smartphone podcast from the team at Tech Advisor. I am your host, Dom, back from the dead slash uh, minor <laughs> bout with COVID. Um, I'm going to be honest, I'm still suffering a little bit from lingering side effects. So if at any point in this episode, I just sort of go quiet and, and people on the YouTube feed just see me sort of staring off into the distance as my <laughs> thoughts trail off and leave me. I apologize in advance that that has been happening. Uh, the, the sort of ongoing fatigue symptoms are real. Uh, luckily, I have some people here to fill in the awkward silences when my brain gives way. Uh, Toddy, Lewis and Hannah are all on the show today. Hello. Hello. Uh, so we have uh, plenty to talk about this week, even though it's been a relatively quiet week in the world of phone news. Um, but the biggest announcement, I guess, was Apple announcing the dates for WWDC, its annual developer conference. So we now know that is going to take place in June. So we are going to look ahead to what we think we're going to see Apple announce. Um, Conveniently, that's almost exactly a month after Google holds Google I.O., its own annual summer developer conference. Uh, so we're also going to use this as an excuse to talk through what we're expected to see there, even though obviously Google announced the dates for that one a few weeks back. But they sync up pretty nicely. And then finally, we are going to turn to Twitter because this week, Twitter's had a kind of tumultuous week. Uh, the world's richest man decided he wanted to buy a tenth of it, or, or nine hundredths, I guess. Nine point two hundredths, yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, sure. Elon Musk has bought a the largest share in Twitter and has managed to blag himself a seat on the board as a result. And maybe, but probably not coincidentally, they also decided that this week they would reveal that they are working on the long-awaited, often-requested edit button. Uh, so we're going to talk through that because I think actually uh, I know Hannah has written an op-ed on the site outlining why maybe an edit button is a very bad idea, at least unless it has some very specific constraints attached. Uh, I'm inclined to agree. So we're going to we're going to talk through some of the, the implications of letting you edit your tweets. Before that, there have been some little bits and pieces that were announced this week. So I'll run through some of the other announcements we've had from the phone world. Uh, first up, just today... Realme held some announcements in India. It, for one thing, gave an Indian launch to the Realme GT2 Pro, which uh, I've been assured the Indian price is astonishingly competitive. And I've seen a lot of Indian tech experts tweeting that the pricing there makes the GT2 Pro really hard to beat in the Indian market. Um, but they also announced the Realme 9. Now, this is, to be clear, the sixth Realme 9 phone, but this one is the Realme 9. <laughs> Before that, we've Just had the, the Realme 9i, the Realme 9 Pro, 9 Pro Plus, 9 5G, mm. and 9 5G Speed Edition. Um, this is the Realme uh. 9. <laughs> The sixth phone of the series is just the Realme 9. It's sort of the Realme 9 4G, though that's not actually the official name. There's no 4G in the name, but that's basically what it is. Uh, but as we've often seen with this kind of stuff, it's not as simple as the Realme 9 5G, but with 4G, it's actually got some, some tweaks. It's got a 108 megapixel camera, and it's actually the first phone from anyone, I think, to use the, uh, ice, the Samsung's Isocell... GN6, I want to say, or is it the HM6? It's one of them. Um, so anyway, it's one of the sort of new, cheaper 108 megapixel sensors from Samsung, and it's making its debut here. And there's some other spec upgrades. So actually, funny enough, the 4G Realme 9 is more expensive than the 5G version, but it actually has several significant spec upgrades that make that make sense, as long as you don't care about 5G. Uh, it's India only for now along with the Realme 9 5G and 5G Speed Edition, funny enough. We're not sure if any of these are going to make it anywhere outside of India. I would expect to see them come eventually, because other ones in this series have, but we'll see. Um, right, if that was a weird little bit of sort of phone launching and branding, don't worry, there's weirder stuff to come. <laughs> so first up, uh, this week, Samsung launched the Samsung Galaxy S20 FE 2022. What? Let that sink in for a sec. This is Korea only, South Korea only. Uh, it is a re-release of the S20 FE with no changes made whatsoever. <laughs> what they have what? done is Nothing take out the AKG headphones that were previously included in the box in South Korea and given it a price cut. 
But if you pre-order it, you get a free pair of AKG headphones. <laughs> so... <laughs> wow. And, and the funny thing is, even with the price cut, it's still, I don't have the Korean price to hand, but the conversion is approximately $500. So it's still priced, not really steeply, but more expensive than you maybe would expect to pay for a phone that's that's now a year and a half old. Yeah. And, and was a mid-ranger when it came out. That might be the wildest... That might be the wildest re-released ever. Very odd. Like, I can think of in terms of what they're doing there and it's how that phone is going to sell. Any, I think it's like the headphone else. bundle is the, is the cherry yeah. on top, isn't it? It was like, you know, well, this is stupid. And then you get to that and you're like, oh, no. <laughs> What's the no. point? I mean, I guess Samsung South Korea has stock and they need to shift that stock and they are going to do it anywhere they can. Yeah, and just... yeah, giving it a sort of tenuous re-release uh, was apparently the approach they've decided to take. It's a little odd. Yeah, I mean, this is the the funny thing about this was it actually seemingly uh, I I saw it got picked up by GSM Arena on on April fourth, but they reported that it actually first appeared on April first, uh, but mm. is not an April Fool's. Brilliant. It is it is real. <laughs> Makes sense. It's all a little weird. I'm going to be honest. Um, but arguably, the next one is even weirder. Um, so this is from a leak, not from an actual release. But we have seen the first leaked renders of the Oppo Reno Eight. And if you want to go look this yeah. up, you know, go look it up now. Because it looks exactly like another phone. And that phone is not an Oppo phone. It's not a <laughs> Reno phone. It is the OnePlus 10 Pro. You may remember there is no OnePlus 10. We never got a regular OnePlus 10. We never will get a regular OnePlus 10 as far as we know. I think I know why now. Because it is the Oppo Reno 8. <laughs> Oh, yes. <laughs> that camera module, the, the same right. sort of side-wrapped camera module from the 10 Pro is uh, used on the Reno 8. It looks almost identical. It looks nothing like any previous Reno device, uh, you know, which had a pretty consistent design language that has been dropped entirely for this. And instead, this exactly has the OnePlus 10 Pro design language. It's a weird one. I know OnePlus and Oppo, you know... Um, officially merged much closer to R&D, all of that, and we've spoken about that at length before. But this is still just baffling to me because if you can't even keep any sort of consistent visual identity separate between the two and have, That's you know, point. kind of clear things like a specific yeah. camera model design and then say, oh, it just goes across both the brands. I mean... Well, yeah. yeah, it's 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 annoying actually. It is annoying because it's like you know you want to be able to like look at the phones and be like right, what's distinguishable about about them? Yeah. And if there isn't, then why would you even have two separate brands? It makes no sense at this point. And we were like, this is a this is a bold new design direction for OnePlus. Yeah. not anymore. It's not <laughs> that bold anymore. It's that bold that we decided to copy it. <laughs> it's a little yeah. bit odd. Uh, meanwhile, OnePlus has also had a busy week of uh, both announcements and leaks. We've seen leaked renders and specs pop up for a few phones, especially some of the cheaper Nord devices that we think are on the way, along with some, uh, I, th I think, renders for the 10R popped up the other week. Uh, but OnePlus itself also finally officially announced sort of the Nord N20. They gave PCMag an exclusive image of the N20, along with... Um, Sort of some spec details. Basically, they confirmed it will have a 6.43-inch AMOLED display, that is 60 hertz, and that it will have SuperVOOC fast charging. They didn't say what speed SuperVOOC fast charging it will have, just that it will have fast charging. Um, so not an awful lot to go on. The render, the, the, the official image, I should say, rather, is an almost an exact match for the leaked renders we've seen before from OnLeaks. And OnLeaks, at the same time, leaked an entire spec list which so far matches the official specs OnePlus has given. And since the renders are a perfect match, I would say it's a fairly safe bet that if you want to go look up the OnLeak spec list, that is probably what this phone is going to be. Uh, one tip it is, they've also said it's coming later this month, but from the sounds of the reporting, this isn't, I'm not certain about this, it sounds a bit like this one might be a US exclusive, which I'm not too surprised by. The Nord N phones have had a mixed release pattern, but a few of them have been North America only. And given the other models we know OnePlus has on the way, it sounds like the N20 might be another one of these just for the US market phones, but we'll see. Uh, and then the final thing to point out is next week, I believe on Monday, 
Vivo is holding a pretty major launch event where they are going to reveal three devices for sure. Uh, we'll see if they have any more, but they are going to unveil the Vivo Pad, their first Android tablet, certainly the first in a long time, the Vivo X Note, which is a new slab flagship phone and looks kind of like, everyone's basically saying this is probably what would have been the Vivo Nex 5. Uh, Nex was their old flagship line and it got retired with the Nex 3 and we haven't seen any Nex phones in several years. And there was a lot of word that it had been resurrected, but then actually they changed the branding. So Vivo X Note is probably what would have been a Nex if you wanted one. But most excitingly, the Vivo X Fold, which is going to be Vivo's first foldable, um, which I'm really excited about. They've actually, in sort of classic Chinese launch fashion, they've revealed images of all of these devices and some <laughs> specs of them all. There's videos. So you can go and see, you, at the very least in terms of what they look like, you can go and see everything already, though we don't have full spec sheets or, or anything like that. But these look very exciting, particularly the foldable. I've been very open in my love for Vivo's sort of numbered X line. The X70s flagships mm -hmm. um, last year, I think, were absolutely phenomenal. I'm looking forward to the X80s. So I'm also very excited for the X Fold because I know what they can do. And particularly their camera hardware. For my money right now, they're winning the camera battle. And to get that kind of hardware in a premium foldable, for me, would be very, very exciting. Though... That being said, I would also put money on this one being a China exclusive, but yeah. we'll see how that plays out. Mm. Okay, let's get on to WWDC. Uh, Lewis, I'm just going to hand over directly to you because you know what's <laughs> going on here, and let's be honest, I don't. <laughs> really? Uh, so yeah, WWDC 2022 <laughs> is official. Um, it was finally revealed by Apple this week, and there's no real surprises um, as, as ever. WWDC is probably the most clockwork like event that apple hosts like it is always without fail early june uh with the one exception being the pandemic when it was late june <laughs> so yeah it's always been june it always will be june um so yeah they've just confirmed they've cut they've said yep it's happening between the 6th and the 10th of june um with a special keynote you know the one that everybody tunes into uh, on the first day on the 6th um so yeah it's it's fairly standard stuff um, they haven't really, because sometimes when they announce these events, they kind of have a little image. I mean, there is an image with using our thumbnail, but it doesn't really, there's not much to go on in terms of kind of little secrets and hints and stuff like that. It's just the Swift icon, as far as I can see. Um, Swift uh, being for those who language, don't know. The coding language for iPhones and iPads and all that fun stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, in terms of what to expect, uh, as with the dates, as with the uh, the event itself, we we already know what's happening. Um, it's the next versions of, of, of uh, Apple's software updates. So we're talking iOS 16, iPad OS 16, uh, Mac OS 13, TV OS, Watch OS. All those lovely operating systems are going to get updated. Um, and yeah, that's what the first time where they'll show them. Um, now, interestingly, some people thought that it was going to be back to an in-person event this year because, you know. Things are starting to happen again. But uh, Apple seems to have taken the virtual-only route again. And I think that regardless of what's happening with the pandemic, I think this is just how they're going to do it going forward because they have got a really good structure for it now. And, mm -hmm. you know, back when when uh, WWDC was an in-person event, like, it was crazy to actually get a ticket. Like, you had to, you know, and this was only for registered developers. You had to apply for a lottery system. And then if you won the lottery system, you then had to pay £1,500 for a ticket. Um, so yeah, <laughs> whereas now that they've done this online flip, yeah. you still have to be a registered Apple developer. So you have to pay your 80 pounds, hundred dollars, wherever it is a year, but you get free access to the entire show, uh, in the form of like live streams and stuff mm. like that. So yeah, I think that they, they're probably going to keep it like this now because it's just opens up so many more developers. It's hard to see at this point, what benefit they'd get from going back to a physical event, a lot yeah. more work to organize, I'm sure. And all it gives them to is admittedly better access to a very 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 small proportion of the devs they care exactly. about reaching exactly exactly so um yeah so i think the people that are waiting for a physical wwdc might be waiting a while but saying that now i've said this on the record it'll probably be next year yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> whatever it's absolutely fine um so, so i think the big the big question a lot of people are going to have and obviously we don't have a concrete answer to it but i think we have a reasonably safe bet is there any reason to expect hardware announcements? With some WWDCs, we get hardware. Yeah. Um, there. Yeah. There's no solid 
kind of like, yes, something is launching at WWDC. But in my mind, Apple did tease the Mac Pro at their March event right at the end. And mm. I don't know, maybe, maybe in WWDC. But even then, I can't really see the connection. Like, it, you know, it's, it's for developers. It's not for the high-end creative professionals that are going to need the Mac Pro power. It, it definitely feels to me like they've moved away from it a bit. I mean, there was no hardware last year. And yeah. in 2020, all they did was tease Apple Silicon. Yeah. Um, but no specific mm. product announcements. So that's two years in a row where they haven't used it to announce. Yeah. And yeah, hardware. there were so many rumors about the MacBook Pro being announced last year, but then as we know, that didn't happen. That happened later in the year. So yeah, I, I do think that they are trying to keep the focus on the software at WWDC, but you know, the rumors do say that this is going to be a crazy year for Apple announcements. So there could be something, you know, that one thing that was actually rumored that I've just remembered actually um, was the Apple ar slash vr headset i was about to say because mm. that one would almost make mm. sense because it opens up a whole different software yeah development side of things that they wouldn't want to discuss and they can't discuss that without discussing the hardware that's gonna drive exactly. it to some extent yeah um so the, the rumors are a bit conflicting on this because they said the original plan was to announce it at wwdc then it'll go for a release later this year but now some people are saying it's been delayed and it won't be announced until later this year but in my heart of hearts, I still hope for a WWDC announcement. Because like you say, it's the place where the developers will get to know how to you know, utilize the hardware months before it comes out so that when mm. these glasses do come out, they'll have you know, a lot of content from day one. Um, so that'll be exciting. Um, but yeah, in terms of hardware, I would say kind of, you know, probably around the 40 to 50%. That's what I'm giving it. I'm not, I'm not, you know, I'm not hugely confident, but there might be something. I think that, but, yeah, that's probably even more generous than I would go. So, I yeah. know, yeah. I know, I'm yeah. an optimist when it comes to Apple stuff. I'm like, please. <laughs> Especially when it comes to the AR stuff. I'm like, come on, guys. I've been talking about this for so many years. Just, I just need some vindication at this point. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I'm trying to think. Is Apple is Apple one to show off hardware yeah. and then not yeah. launch it? Within they the they announced the um, is, Apple is it, Watch it in September and it didn't come out until the following March. Oh. Okay, so they could do that with these yeah. 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 AR, VR. Um, yeah. I so, also think yeah, if there was any other... It, it, the Mac Pro is another one where we could see something like that, especially since they've been open that they're working on one, exactly, on an yeah. update. And, you know, they, they teased it just, just last month, as Lewis pointed out. So that's another one where I guess like I wouldn't be too shocked to see some sort of Mac Pro announcement, but with a still this launching in five months or whatever. Or, um, yeah. Just, it's oh, coming. If I know previous uh, Apple events, if they do do that, it'll be like right at the end where you think like, right, oh, yeah. we've got through all the announcements and then suddenly it's like, ah, but wait. It's the and one more thing. All the journalists yeah, yeah, the one start more thing. to relax at the end of the thing and they're like, okay, we finally got, we've done it. We're just finishing up. And then yeah. it's like, actually, we've got this really exciting new product category. No, no, please. No, I want to go to Not bed. <laughs> Um, so yeah, in terms of WWDC, uh, obviously one of the biggest uh, things that we can expect is iOS 16. Woo! Yep. The next big software update for the iPhones. Um, and I'm not going to say it's a crazy update, but there are some nice, you know, rumored features coming. Um, one of them I expect is going to be fairly obvious, uh, and that's interactive widgets. This is the one I really oh. hope is true because <laughs> I know what a concept. <laughs> <laughs> Calm down. <laughs> I know, it is crazy what they're coming up with at Apple. Um, but yeah, obviously, uh, we've had widgets for a couple of years now, but they are still so far behind what's on Android. Like, whenever you tap yep. on a widget, it takes you to the app. There is no way to interact with that widget just on your home screen. Um, rumors do suggest, yeah, this is changing in iOS 16, um, and there's been leaked images of uh, widgets with interactive elements um, on oh, yeah. Twitter and stuff like that. So that's kind of bodes well for that. Um, and it might have a slight kind of, uh, visual refresh as well not in terms of the overall ui but the app icons um because the weather and maps icons i think it was got a, a kind of a little refresh in ios 15 uh, and rumors suggest that um basically it's going to happen to all the others all the other um kind of default apps they're going to mm. sync them up to look more like they do on mac which i don't really like i hate the mac icons i much prefer the iphone ones but hey ho there we are. Yeah, I think I'd rather see it go the other way, have the Mac stuff brought in line with iOS. Yeah, but... a little bit messy. Um, but yes, yeah, so it's it's not it's not a, um, a an overly exciting update. There are rumors that say that this will, um, you know, it ties in with the AR VR stuff, saying that the next update will have huge kind of tie-ins with uh, AR and VR. So 
talking about mm-hmm. maybe controls for the headset built into the phone so you can control the headset using your phone and stuff like that but without the hardware if, you know there has been references to ar stuff in ios for years you know in hardware wise but nothing's materialized so i'll just wait and see for that one i think yeah <laughs> um and then we've got ipad os 16 as well which is the tablet focused version of ios as as you kind of put it um yeah, so it's kind of similar to iOS 16. It's going to get those same kind of updated logos and stuff like that. But there is one feature that I am very excited about, and I really, really hope this isn't just a lie. Um, because one of the more recent rumors says that, uh, it, well, let me just let me just start this off by saying they didn't say it's specifically coming iPadOS 16, just a future version of iPadOS. So that could okay. it could still be you know 17, 18, whatever. whatever. I'm hoping it's going to come this year and um it essentially turns the any m1 enabled ipad which is the pros and also the new ipad air into essentially a mac when you put when you connect it to a keyboard and a trackpad so it takes the uh, full screen windows and puts them into actual windows that you can move around on the screen which sounds a lot like desktop software uh, i mean it makes a lot of sense to me mm. um but it also goes against everything that Apple's ever said about not converging iOS. It's very <laughs> on Apple. And, yeah, and, and <laughs> I mean, Mac. So I've, I've been using the Galaxy Tab S8 Ultra for a, for a month or so, and and obviously Samsung's Dex interface is, oh, yeah. is essentially something like that. Um, sure. op, op, it doesn't turn on automatically when you connect a keyboard or anything, but it's sort of an optional quick shortcut to switch, and yeah, it, you know, gives you that kind of desktop style interface where you do have just windows you can drag around and and everything works a lot more like a laptop yeah. it makes a lot of sense i think certainly on, on that implementation there are always a few app compatibility issues and every now and then you'll try and run something that just doesn't like it yeah um and maybe that's you know that's one headache they'd want to get around because you feel like apple likes to have that stuff more polished but yeah, for sure. equally as you say it's 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 a bit of a it's the kind of change that if they make it, you'll get that wave of people saying, oh, Steve Jobs would be rolling in his grave at this kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. and maybe they're right, maybe he would. But I mean, I just I just think it's the natural progression of things. Like, why do you need two different devices when one device can do the same thing as the other device? Oh, and more absolutely. With, with touchscreen, the one thing that Macs don't have. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, I mean, and... it is the whole thing. You know, I, the, the touchscreen one is a funny one because... I. Windows laptops have now con- like absolutely proven that touchscreens improve the experience. You know, yeah. like Apple are just wrong on that, and almost everyone seems seems to agree. Once you get used to using a laptop with a touchscreen, it's really hard. To oh yeah, back. yeah. I was yeah. I reviewed one with a touchscreen a little while ago, and I went back to my MacBook after, and I was just prodding the display, and I was like, I, oh, yeah. This yeah. Whenever nice. I'm using a laptop without one, I'm tapping on the screen before <laughs> for a while before I realise it's very frustrating. Um, um, so, but yeah, there, there's a kind of the, the big rumors about iPad OS 16. Apple has actually done a very good job at not leaking everything early. Um, <laughs> like there is basically nothing on Mac OS 13, TV OS 16 and watch OS nine, um, which is fairly impressive at this point. Cause we are just mm. two months away from the announcement. Um, but yeah, we can kind of expect, I don't think this is going to be a huge year. Like it's not going to be a revolutionary year in, in Apple's software stuff. Uh, but you know, it'll be slightly better, hopefully. <laughs> we have had uh, one point in the in the comments on YouTube that you do need to make sure that your iPad is sufficiently different from your MacBook, uh, because otherwise you wouldn't buy both of them. Yeah, and I mean, so yeah, it's that's very the, important um, that they don't have the same interface. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's Apple's logic for not doing it, but everyone else <laughs> who doesn't want to buy two things will love that. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, there, there isn't yeah, there isn't really much else going on uh, WWDC wise. They haven't announced the timings yet, but we expect it to be uh, 10 a.m. EDT, uh, same as all other Apple events. Uh, yeah, that's pretty universal for them at this point, right? Yeah, exactly. And then um, <clears throat> following the announcements, they'll release a dev-only beta for everyone that's you know, developing apps for it. And then mm-hmm. keen fans will usually be able to get hands-on with a public beta that usually kind of launches late June, early July. Um not recommended for your primary phone because it will be fairly buggy, at least initially. Mm-hmm. Uh, as the beaters go on, it does get a lot more stable. But um, yeah, you'll be able to use that and have a little play around with iOS 16 before everyone else does. And uh, and then it'll be released alongside the new iPhones and new iPads in September. Great. Cool. <laughs> um, 
Well, let's turn to what Google's got to offer. So Google I.O. is essentially just their version of WDC. These are broadly the same sort of event. Um, with one difference, which is that Google does have a little bit more of a predilection for releasing hardware at it. Um, and we'll get to that in a sec. Um, but yeah, Google, Google is coming first after... Uh, they've also had a little bit of a wobble around their timing over the last few years, but they are mostly early May, and this event is indeed early May. I think it's May 7th, if I'm remembering right. That's 11th. today, Sorry, isn't it? 11th, yeah. Oh, no, I know that's not today. <laughs> today, you're, you're month. a month. <laughs> <laughs> wrong month. May 11th, though. Yeah. Um, yeah. tweeted <laughs> in mid-March. That is, yeah, May 11th and 12th. So I think it's a bit shorter than WWDC, yes. is that yeah. right? WWDC is a few days. days. Yeah. Again, the, the keynote main, is the first hour and a half for both of them, and then after that, everyone except the actual devs tunes out completely. Um, so yeah, Toddy, what are we expecting from Google I.O.? I mean, I know, uh, there's a similar story on the software side. This is going to be the next Android version, right? Yes. I mean, last year, last year is the framework for what we're expecting sort of, because we are, we already have, uh, developer previews of Android 13 mm. that are already out there. There's already been two of those. Um, the next one is expected to drop like any day now. Uh, they usually come in month for the last few months, um, but we'll get the first public beta of Android 13 at IO. That's what they did last year with Android 12. So they'll be like, it's coming now. And those, again, similar story, don't use it on your main phone, but if you have a compatible device, I think we have a listed, it's mainly pixels, but there are some other phones that might be able to get it as well. Um, if you have a compatible device, you can use Android 13 in this beta stage. Um, and that's cool. So we'll see likely like what they've not, not actually done any kind of on stage keynotes yet showing off Android 13. So this will mm. be our first kind of proper look at it if they are going to do that. Um, beyond that, the big thing they dropped last year was they showed, they didn't call it Wear OS 3, but they said, here's the new Wear. And that's when they announced the partnership with Samsung that led to what became the Galaxy Watch 4 and that user experience. And they said, it's coming to other watches. And None of those watches that have been promised Wear OS 3 have Wear OS 3 And we've had like absolute silence yeah, that's still not from here. Google, essentially. It's been yeah. dead silent. There's a few things they said actually last year, which I'm hoping we'll get some more updates on because they've given us nothing. So as well as, yeah, Wear OS 3, what's going on? Like we know that it's coming to some watches Do this year, <laughs> but we don't really know what it's going to look like. Yeah. Do we that? Yeah, we, we've been told, manufacturers have been able to say that, oh, if you buy this watch, you're going to get yeah. Wear OS 3. But no one really knows what that looks like because the only version we have is this Samsung-specific yeah. Which is version, still so confusing because so it was so ready enough we'll see... for Samsung to release a version yeah, of it. Yeah. But yes. not ready enough for anyone else to, including Google. It's... Is it a paid thing? Like a year is of it Samsung saying, yeah. like, we want exclusivity? Over your very platform, odd. like I'm it's to very think of weird. The other products that had it, I know the Tick Watches definitely did because I reviewed them. Yeah, they've um, got promised. I think mm. the Fossil Gen Six will get it. Yeah. Um, I can't remember what other brands. Yeah. But there's a few other brands out there. Um, but yeah, it's a very odd situation for their wearable platform. But yeah, hopefully we'll get a better glimpse of Wear OS Three and what that brings to the table. There's really been not much out yeah. there in terms of what. New I mean, one possible explanation for that delay, which um, not to get too ahead of ourselves in terms of what you might have been about to say, but there is a lot of rumors, and I know you spoke about this on last week's episode while I wasn't here, uh, about a Pixel Watch. And it is, of course, possible that they're sure. trying to hold the full reveal of Wear 3 for when they also get to reveal the Google hardware that runs it directly. Which makes sense. So there's, there's two threads we could pull on. There's the fact that last year at that same... IO last year, they mentioned of Fitbit, course, Fitbit in the mix making, as well, yeah. Uh, we'll be making premium Wear OS watches, which we still heard nothing about at all. Fitbit's been really quiet in general of late, which makes yeah. me think they're working on something. Um, the other thing is to the Pixel Watch point, uh, yep. Prosser, John Prosser, known leaker, uh, said that the Pixel Watch won't actually get teased until the Pixel 6a launches or, or is unveiled, which is later. No, in I May, think so not th there is a, like, a bit of a weird mix there. So Wait, have I got confused? he talks about it launching, the 6a launching in late May, but being announced at IO. Yes. Launch being on sale. Okay. So I think what Prosser have predicted, if I'm remembering right, is okay. the 6a <laughs> will get a full unveiling at IO, and that will be the hardware announcement, is the mid-range Pixel. They will also... That'll tease the, the watch. They will announce the watch. They will say there is a watch, but they won't detail I've it. Already said that. But the <laughs> yeah. Um, but, well, yeah. We'll get yes. one image of it or whatever <laughs> it is, and then the watch will arrive in full 
in October along with the Pixel 7s. Yes, yes. Google apparently first teased, officially said they were working on a wearable in 2018. So the watch has been a long time coming. So the fact we still don't know which date is I mean, you have to assume that after they got Fitbit, they basically went back from scratch and used the Fitbit patents and stuff that, you know, the expertise and the patents they have access to through Fitbit to basically rebuild the Pixel Watch from scratch to take advantage of that stuff would be my guess. I mean, I guess Google Fit has always been kind of sort of a background character Mm -hmm. in Google's kind of app suite. And they did say last year, as well as bringing out premium Fitbit hardware running on Wear OS, they were also going to be bringing a Fitbit tracking experience to Wear OS as a platform, which we also still haven't seen. That's not on the Galaxy Watch line either. So um, so yeah, in that regard. So Wear OS 3, some hardware, maybe the Pixel 6a Mm -hmm. will be the most tangible thing. The watch might get teased. Um, And yeah, Android 13. Also, we might see more of Android L. The big screen Android experience, like that's been kind of yeah. The funny thing with to develop yeah Android twelve L is ways. I think officially out, but there's no devices that run it. Is there? If, if I've got it right in my head, <laughs> exactly. So um, it's very weird. Yeah, it's a bit of a mess, really. Going into this yeah. IO and the thing with Pixel, with um, Android twelve L is again, there's a lot of speculation that it's being kind of held to make its debut on Google hardware, which would be the Google Pixel foldable that has been very consistently and repeatedly yes. leaked. Everyone seems to agree they're making one. That was for a long time rumored to be a WWDC. Sorry, WWDC. A Google I'd be very surprised. If it was amazing. Yeah. Google like parachutes Stick into the apple. stage at WWDC <laughs> to unveil its device. Um, well, no, yeah. The, the, so the Pixel Foldable was for a long time expected to be a spring launch at, at Google I/O, basically. Though I think now everyone says that's also going to be an o- October autumn announcement. So that's another one. I guess maybe they would tease that as well. As the watch, though I think more likely we don't hear anything about that. Considering it's the more like the sooner keynote, there's still so much like unknown yeah. about what they're actually going to show off. Um, and to that point about Google dropping in on WWDC, I still find it amazing. It just popped into my head that Halo was the game was shown off yeah. at an Apple keynote <laughs> oh, originally yeah. before Microsoft took it on. It's crazy. <laughs> anyway, that's that's by the by. Um, and yeah, Android 13 is the other most tangible thing. The only issue I'd say with that is that for consumers who will be able to get access on this public beta from then, um, most of the features that have been dropped in the developer previews are very much for developers. They are not particularly it's, exciting. Yeah. Yeah. The more behind the scenes stuff, the, the, the main kind of trend I've seen in updating our feature on it has just been, they're trying to unify app experiences so that they look more cohesive with the base, the underlying Android user experience so there's going to be new um third parties can make widgets for the new kind of widgets uh notification shade widgets and stuff like that um app icons are going to be able to uh make use of materials use kind of monochrome two-tone app icon design that will be a big change because that material you for basically the few phones that have it but yeah the material you icon change is great except that you do it and you realize it's only like eight official google apps that change (laughs) and suddenly you've got eight app icons that look brilliant and like themed together mixed in randomly with all your normal apps that look exactly like they always do and the whole thing is pointless at that point what they're asking developers to do is to, as well as their regular app icons, submit yeah. a monochrome version uh-huh. and it will basically paint out the white yeah. with the theme color that your phone has got until it'll be black with white or the theme color. So that's quite a clever, simple way of, of fixing that. So hopefully the user experience, you can customize it more, but it'll still I, look... I do wonder if we'll... Um, we can talk more we'll about see more kind of turn up later. at the show though, because I might be misremembering and correct me if you know that I'm wrong, but I feel like we didn't see a whole lot of material you in the dev previews last year and it was at io that we really got a good sense of that kind of the user face stuff and that even before it was the same story where before io all the the early dev builds were all back-end features then at io they announced and here's the cool visual stuff that users are going to see and then the next dev build had all of that stuff in so i think there might still be some big announcements there essentially not letting the devs know yet there'll be a nice produce video zooming around the ui and what what will matter a lot i think for me Um, is whether they are making steps which with this app icon it sounds like they might be um to help more other to help the oems bring material you across because it's yeah because we've seen 
dabble, like people dabble yeah, with it. But Samsung's really kind of it half in the same incorporated way that it. Probably like. Uh, I think exactly. Xiaomi hasn't yeah. at all. Realme's played with it. Completely absent in Xiaomi in right. the UI, though. I'm, I might be getting muddled up. So only some of the big ones don't have it at all. Um, and I'd love to see it become more widespread. I appreciate they've they always have a optional and mandatory features in each version, and Material U was an optional one, so none of the OEMs were obliged to use it. But I would hope they kind of yeah. are making strides to make it a bit more universal and, and easier to adapt for all their uh, different Android skins because it would be great for more, that's, more that's versions hope, of Android yeah. to actually get that stuff to play with because uh, it's been one of my frustrations in reviewing phones this year. Every time I have an Android 12 device and really like 50% chance you load it up and realize Material U just isn't there. And it's a real shame. Which makes it feel yeah. less of an upgrade. Like It's harder to then yeah. see the changes, you know? Um, so yeah, that's that's the main kind of front end stuff. Like uh, multi language support is going to be in there, so apps won't have to be like manually translated cool. to other languages. That's, that's cool. Um, better gaming performance on app loads, so like faster games will load up faster, stuff like that. Um, but we can talk about this more once. I think Android thirteen yep. is here, so I'm just kind of grazing what Android <laughs> thirteen currently has. But if you read our feature right now, I've gone through all the features that have either been rumored or have so far been released, and I will update. Uh, them we might as well talk briefly well. through what we think we know about the Pixel six A because we said mm -hmm. that's probably going to be the main hardware launch. Um, I guess it's also possible we'll see some Google Home type stuff or, oh, or yeah. Nest. I guess is how they brand it. That. that stuff doesn't <laughs> tend to leak as much, so it's always a bit more yeah. of a surprise. So. I mean, I'm hoping for Fitbit stuff. I don't, I don't think Fitbit will announce be at Google I.O. <laughs> I think even if they've got stuff ready to go, yeah. I think they'll still keep Fitbit branded and, and launching at its own at its own time Do and space. Do they have their own yeah. thing, Fitbit? N no, but they, they used to often launch around really. EFA. Um That's often okay. when they would do a flagship, either at EFA or yeah. like the week before EFA and then use EFA. So that's September. Uh, and just, mm. this, just the other day, actually... Aoife did confirm it is going ahead with a full physical event in, in yeah. Berlin in September. So Aoife is on. So I would probably guess we'll get Fitbit announcements at the end of August, beginning of September. Mm -hmm. But that's just based on what they normally do. Um, Pixel 6a, we may have spoken about it briefly on, on the show before when some of the first leaks came out. It won't surprise anyone to know it's set to look exactly like the, the 6 and the 6 Pro. That design language is now carrying over to the, to the A line, which... I don't love, but I know a lot of other people like it more than I do. So um, that Wish would be Apple there. would do that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I mean, yeah, compared to an SE, it's a welcome change, I guess. Uh, one thing I do love is the what we've heard about the size of this phone. It's meant to be a 6.2-inch display, which makes it smaller than either yeah. of the 6s so far. And I think that alone suddenly is going to make this feel like a really compelling option for a lot of people. I know I've spoken to people who... The size of the Pixel 6 was a big part of the reason they, they were maybe hesitant about that phone because you used to get a size gap between them more. This will be more like that classic main Pixel size um, with the same design, and it's going to have the Tensor chip. So performance-wise, it is going to match the 6 and the 6 Pro as well. Um, yeah. I think inevitably, basically, the main downgrades are going to be things like the the camera spec is not going to be on a par with the others. Basically, what we've heard is that it is going to be reusing the uh, the same cameras as, as the yeah, three six three, the IMX three six three. It's kind of the classic walking stick in hand, dragging itself into the camera bar. Uh, <laughs> aged old chip, but they they know what they're doing with it. You've got to give them that. So yeah, we're going to see a pair of twelve megapixel uh, sensors, the three six three and the three eight six, a main and an ultra wide. This is basically the same camera setup from the five A pretty much the same camera setup from the 4a it's you know so i'm super intrigued though with the tensor yes. and its isp for for photos how much of a difference that makes because you know i used the pixel 5a which had that main sensor and that ultra wide i think um and it was really really good obviously but the the way that the the new sensor on the 6 and 6 pro is handled is exceptional Ooh. and it's i think takes my favorite pictures on the main sensor uh, of any Android phone. Um, so I'm really curious to see how much of that is Tensor and how much of that is the sensor that they've used on the 6 and 6 Pro. And the 6A will yeah. be the kind of litmus test for that, kind of where the actual kind of talent is. Is it on the, the sensor or is it on the uh I suspect the what we'll see is that in decent lighting, this is 
pretty much on a par with the others, but that it's going to be low light where Impressive. it can't match yeah. it because just yeah. sheer sensor size, aperture, that kind of thing, it won't be able to yeah. capture, you know, on a physical level, won't get the same light capture that the, that the, the more expensive phones have. Yeah. But to be honest, I think from what we've heard from leaks of this, and obviously it's all just leaks, it may turn out to be wrong, there may be details we don't know, but assuming they're hitting a reasonable price point, this looks to me like bang for your buck, by far the best Pixel 6 phone, because I think the compact size will make it very appealing to a lot of people. Because I think compact, it's really more just average Android phone size, <laughs> maybe a little smaller than average. It's not a tiny phone like the SE, it's just a kind of what a lot of people will look at and say, that's a normal phone size, it's not an enormous phone. Um, you're going to get that top chip and still a good camera. You know, the 5A camera is very good, especially for its price. It was a very for strong sure. camera at that point. Throw in the upgraded chip and ISP, I think it will be very impressive. Um, and you're still getting an ultra-wide. It's not just a single sensor arrangement. So, yeah, on paper, right, I, based on the leaks, um, this looks like, I'd almost be tempted to say, this is the Pixel 6 phone I would most like to own, irrespective of price, because of the size of it. I was going to say, price-wise, is it going to be sitting up against the new uh, like Samsung A-series that just launched, do you think? Or, um... Yeah, probably. So the 5A was $450. I guess so. Um, it didn't launch outside of the US and Japan, so we only have dollar pricing, unless someone wants to dig up how much it was in yen. Um, but yeah, assuming they stick to the same, which I think is likely, 450 puts it slightly above the, the A53, slightly above the iPhone SE, but basically in, in that price band. And I would say on paper, this is certainly would for me be the better choice than the SE because it kind of wins that at its own game. It's got the latest chip as well. It's also got that old camera spec, but you're getting an ultra wide rather than just the one lens. You're going to get Google software update promise, which to be fair at the moment, isn't as good as Samsung's um, <laughs> and still isn't as good as Apple. So I hope Google is actually yeah. going to match Samsung there. That would be a a small detail, but an important one if they That'd could. That'd be a nice twist. Um, because it's a bit embarrassing that Samsung is doing better than Google at supporting its own OS. Uh, but yeah, if they if they, if they they manage to stick to that 400 450 price, I think this, what we've seen at the 6A sounds very, very promising to me. Having already, you know, whenever I review a, a current flagship, especially the ones that aren't the Pros or the Ultras, I feel like the Pixel 6, the standard model's pricing, already is quite... Yeah. Yeah, I was about to say that, that was space. why I was inquiring about the pricing because I know the six sits yeah. below like what yes. the average. It's yeah. really good, I think, because you get that same main camera. Exactly. So if anything, so. they're likely to go down from the five A rather than up because they don't have much room to go up without crashing into the six yeah. pricing. So I would be very surprised to see a price increase, and not hugely surprised to see it say drop to four hundred dollars, so that it undercuts the SE by a bit. And lands in right around the A53, um, and mm -hmm. if they could pull that off, it would it would do very very well, you'd think, or at least be be a very easy recommendation. How well the pixels yeah. sell is always a bit up in the air, but cool. Um, um, yeah, so the unlike the WWDC, like I think they used to charge like like Apple did for attendees, and then when they went online, I mean in 2020, I think they just didn't do an IO in the mm. end. And then they brought it back for last year, but it was virtual only. Same again this year. There was confusion initially because they're they're like, we're going to be at the uh, something amphitheater in like the harbor or something, the docks in, I think, San Fran. Um, but that is just going to be Google employees. So it's going to be, if you watch IO last year, it's going to look the same. So there'll be like the Google reps on a stage on some grass with some deck chairs and there will be people sitting there, but you can't get an invite to be there unless you worked at Google. So that's... If anyone was wondering or is confused why there are people in person, it's it's just the same team of people working together, just dressing the set, if you will. Um, but yeah, everyone can sign up for free online at Google. I think io.google.com. Um, they say if you have a developer account, sign up with that email address because it's better. But anyone can use their own account to get access to I mean, Keynote and all the subsequent sessions that they're doing yep. over the 12th as well. Cool. Uh, yeah. One quick point back on the 6A just because we had a question from Hackney Man in uh, on YouTube who asks if it's going to be a 90 hertz display we actually don't know that's one thing that the leaks so far have not pointed to is where mm. they're going to land on refresh rate so that's still up in the air I think the 5A was 60 hertz if I'm remembering right 
Mm. So I wouldn't be surprised to see them stick with that, to be honest. But um, we'll see. Apparently Shadow League says 120 hertz. Oh, really? I've I've missed that. Okay, fine. Um, Cool. Okay, let's move on to Twitter and the edit button. Uh, So, yes, to recap this week, Elon Musk spent, what, I think it was $3 billion, give or take, Buying a no, buying a decent not, not a lot of money. For no. that, yeah. I mean, for him, genuinely, no. that is not a lot of money. Yeah, uh, genuinely. If this no. comes after he also became <laughs> the no. world's richest man, or you know, was was recognised as the world's richest man. I'm not sure if that was the first time or not. But uh, Tesla stocks value, I think, skyrocketed over the last year. So um, his actual fortune is significantly more than the three billion he spent to buy a bit of Twitter. Um, but yeah, he is so eternally online that when he looked at this huge, colossal fortune and thought, what change can I bring about in the world? How can I leave a mark on the planet Earth, uh, improve it for generations to come? And he thought, I know, I can buy enough of Twitter to force them to add an edit button. Thank you, Elon. Uh, a true inspiration to us all. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> but yes, Elon Musk bought nine or so percent of, of Twitter. That actually makes him the largest single stockholder um, at nine percent, with substantially more than um, uh, Jack Dorsey, who yeah. founded it but sort of has walked away from the company for the most part, who only owns, I think, a couple percent at this point. Yeah, I think it's like between um, two and three percent, I think it is. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, so this this was enough to get him a seat on the board at Twitter and within moments, essentially, uh, Twitter confirmed that it is working on an edit button. Now, to be clear, it said that it's been working on an edit button for a while. So it's not like Elon bought it and then they immediately assigned a load of devs to edit buttons. They were clearly working (laughs) on edit buttons and thinking about edit buttons. And it's a good PR campaign, yeah. basically. But it doesn't yeah. feel accidental <laughs> yeah. that the week this happened is the week they decided to go public about the fact that they've been working on it. I think for those who want that feature, though, it definitely plays into Elon's oh, yeah. Like, oh, yeah. image, yeah. though. Like, that it's it's associated with him. Oh, and he's he's that, been open in the past that he wants one and that yeah, he thinks it should happen. Yeah, uh, yeah for sure. Uh, Just a straw poll, do you guys... Do you guys always want or ever no. want editable tweets? I do, no. but with strong no. limitations wow. on them. I on yeah. how long you can edit for. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. I'm with Lewis. The number of times I've added the hashtag yeah. tweets mm. but editable, I <laughs> fail to. It's mainly yeah, this is it. Yeah, text on my phone. It's, it's it little, always get little stupid things, stuff isn't it? Just like, oh, God damn it. Yeah, and like you don't want to delete yeah. it because you're starting to get conversations yeah. on it or but, whatever it is that you're getting. So you're like, oh, I can't do that. Yeah, but I read Hannah's piece, whole valid about everything. As to why it might not be the best of things to introduce on a platform like Twitter, which is already pretty <laughs> yeah. Yes. Uh, so yeah, yeah, it's worth clarifying what exactly Twitter have said. Um, they've said they've been working on an edit feature since last year, um, and that they are kicking off testing within Twitter Blue in the coming months. Um, which Twitter Blue is their paid service uh, for people who like Twitter so much they want to actually spend money to tweet better. Um, this kind of makes sense because Twitter Blue actually Shut already up. has an undo tweet option, yeah. which is kind of a half step toward, towards it, you know, and it gives you a grace period to spot the typo, pull a tweet back, um, and, and then send out the correct version, or alternatively realize your take is just too spicy for its own good uh, <laughs> and, and retract it before it reaches anyone else's eyes. Um, yeah, I think it's uh, 60 seconds is what it is. Yeah. I mean, what I've definitely done, if I've ever like thought I've had a hot take, Type it in, then put it in drafts. Go away for five minutes. Come back yep. and look at it, and be like, "No." <laughs> nice. That's a good idea. It's a good, it's a good piece I need of to advice. Start doing that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I think this tells us a lot about probably what Twitter has in mind here, which is sort of good and bad bits. One is that this probably means they're certainly testing it in Twitter Blue Labs. That doesn't mean it will stay limited to Twitter Blue, but it seems to me plausible yeah. that it will. Yeah, and that this is fundamentally yeah. going to be a paid-for feature, and that if you want to pay Twitter subscription fee, you get to edit your tweets. If you if you don't, then you won't. That that doesn't seem good to me. No. Um, that does also point that they'll probably, you would think, or at least be considering applying that same sixty-second limit that they have for undo. Yeah. That bit I like. Yeah. Um, if if that's the way edit tweets comes out, then I have no problem with it. If it's a sixty-second grace period, like 
undo send on an email or, yeah. or the undo tweet thing where you get to put the tweet out and then immediately go, oh, I've made a huge mistake and, you know, fix it before it goes out into the world. And cool. I think I think I'm all for that. Uh, where I get much more hesitant is if they allow if they don't have a time period or even if they have a significantly longer time period than that, a much longer time <laughs> restriction, I'd still be pretty uncomfortable with. Um, yeah. So Hannah, you, you wrote a big op-ed on, on the site uh, breaks down, mm -hmm. I guess, a lot of the problems you could get at least certainly in the worst case where they just go, Hey, free reign, you can edit whatever tweet you want. Um, yeah. what, what are some of the kind of issues you, you foresee if that happens? So the biggest, the biggest issue I think is actually around people, um, so it's not even if you're writing a tweet yourself, it's more if you like or retweet or quote retweet or you embed something in an article and then say somebody can go and completely change what that tweet says. So there was mm. a guy from Bloomberg, which, mm. you know, said, you put out a very harmless tweet about, isn't this a cute puppy? And then literally change it to, well, you know, I think Nazis got a bad rap. And then yeah. suddenly that's in like, <laughs> that's like misinformation being like spread. If, if a, if a neo-Nazi buys further. the dog rates account, we're all fucked. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. The, the thing is like, it, it sounds like really radical to say something like that. But if you know Twitter, you oh, know yeah, that this sort of stuff, like these there, sorts yeah. of people exist. Like it's, um, it's definitely a, uh, an issue. People could also use it for self-promotion um and things like yeah. that or like hackers i know already you know hackers could already be a problem with twitter anyway but say if there's like information put out by a governing body yep. say perhaps i don't know around covid or, or safety rules and things like that and then somebody goes back and changes that then that could also be a potential issue um i also just put from a more uh, a less sort of dramatic point is just that i just think it just takes away from some of the charm that twitter has like you know example uh Kofefe, uh <laughs> as we all know uh that if you're in the uk uh there is a thing called the ed balls i'm so tweet glad that you're gonna where... say that because <laughs> i was ready to jump in with that. <laughs> we'd never have ed balls day if, uh, if, if we had ed balls it's tragic. basically if you're if you're not aware of this, there's, there was a politician called Ed Balls that I, I assume he was searching for himself and he accidentally just tweeted his own name, <laughs> and now everybody celebrates Ed Balls Day because oh, yeah. It's a good day. It's <laughs> and so then good. there was there was one that I found when I was researching for the article, which was the Boston Globe, and they were like doing a live update about uh, the FBI, and they were meant to say the F, uh, says FBI has investigated, but instead they said FBI says. They have investifarted about 70 leads. <laughs> <laughs> they still got it up as well. And it's just like, you know, if you could edit and get rid of those moments, it just takes away a lot of the a lot of the meme factor about Twitter. Like, yeah. I, I'm the same. I've been annoyed where I've done a tweet and then literally like I look at it and I'm yeah. like, oh, for God's sake, there's like a massive typo in there. And I think especially as journalists, yeah. journalists in particular get very me. annoyed about yeah. it. But you just either, either yeah. you quickly delete it and you retype it or it. you... Yeah, you just just be like, if you saw the typo, you didn't yeah. see it. Um, I have to but, say, the, yeah, what's in the change? The 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 a lot of what you talked about was stuff I'd kind of, I guess, thought of myself that that you know people would like you said the turning your friendly dog post into a neo-Nazi promo, scary. Obviously, the thing that really struck home to me as a as a heavy Twitter user was the bit about self self promotion, which I hadn't considered. But anyone who spends a lot of time on Twitter will be all too familiar with. Tweet goes viral. You click on oh, it. Yes. First reply yes. is the original tweeter. Obviously, that running joke of I've got a SoundCloud, but whatever it is, their yeah. Patreon, their SoundCloud, whatever they try and promote. Uh, but the second one is when some yeah. company has come in and gotten them to promote lava lamps or something. So they're, you know, yeah, sending this sponsored link Wish. to Wish or whatever it is, saying, <laughs> yeah. oh, well, you're here. Click on this this link, buy something, and I get an affiliate commission. Oh, I know. But what happens it's when the, the um... actual viral tweet itself once it's got a circulation of a few million, is just that. all the content gets removed from it and it gets turned into, yeah. uh, you know, a tweet promoting lava lamps or someone's SoundCloud or whatever. Yeah. It'll be hellish. <laughs> and, and of course, the only way to stop that is time limitations because yeah. the sort of the kind of solutions people have suggested to how you manage yeah. this stuff is time limits, we've already spoken about, um, uh, an edit mark that just says this has been edited. And that's fine, but that definitely feels like not enough. Um, the other is edit history so that you can at yeah. least see what previous version of that was. But again, in that yeah. viral case, it doesn't help. It doesn't matter that the edit history is there. It still 
the viral tweet itself has just been like ruined and it's now popping up in people's feeds because the algorithm thinks it's exciting and and it's not anymore um so i think the the biggest fix they could do is a time time stamp limit where yeah, you can think, only edit other... after a minute uh, sorry before a minute or even five minutes or something like that but yeah i think i think the other things i put in here was um only allowing for a certain number of characters to be edited yes yeah. so like you know you can you can only really make room for like adding maybe a little bit more information or like editing a spelling error because like if it, if it allows for the whole the whole thing the whole thing could be rewritten mm. um the yeah. other the other one i put in which i'm not as i'm not as behind because i like things i like tech to be as accessible as possible um but also i don't i'm don't want to feed the trolls so it was you know um put the edit button either on something like twitter blue so behind a paywall or just limit it to like verified accounts or something like that but i mean you know i don't really know if verified really means anything anymore (laughs) so yeah i mean um they're the sort of things i mean what's interesting is um former twitter co-founder jack dorsey he said in 2020 he was like it's probably never going to happen and he you know outlined all the reasons why Mm. And uh, yeah, Elon came in and said no. <laughs> Actually, <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I I do fully get some of the reasons as to why it can be an annoyance. But I think if it gets introduced, that you know there have to be limitations on it. It can't just be coming in the way it is. But personally, I think Twitter's yeah. charm is that it doesn't have one, and that's that's, that's yeah. the same. That's where I fall as well. I think a, an edit button coming in with strict time limits or character count limits and a full public edit history and all that it's like if they do that i'll go fine okay that's not you know it's not going to ruin twitter it's all right but i do agree there's a charm to the permanence of twitter the fact that you just you know you live with what's what's out there yeah um i think something would be lost a little from from an edit yeah well the the original origins of the site were from text mm. SMS messages, and that was why it had the uh, the re- it used to have the really short character limit that it did, and things like that. And that was that's what um, uh, Jack Dorsey says in the video. He's like, you know, well, um, you know, it's meant to be about if you send a text and you misspell something, that it's just it's gone, it's out into the ether, mm. it's, there. it's there, and yeah. yeah, so it's you know it's part of honor in the origins or whatever. But yeah, I, I get the argument for both sides. Uh, but Lewis, you were saying you'd quite want one and you'd quite want one toddy as well. I just, I don't know. Not for like huge, like I wouldn't, I don't like desperately need it. It's just for more little things. Like, you know, like, like you say, when I, when you mentioned like, um, you know, if you've got a spelling mistake or like a measurement that you've tweeted out for a tech product is slightly wrong. Something just little minor technical things. I'd like to have it, but at the same time, I'm nowhere near Twitter famous. Like my tweets don't get very much interaction. So I usually just delete them and rewrite them. (laughs) (laughs) Broken links is a good one. Broken links. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. Yeah. The just yeah. Over the course of this conversation, I've thought of more reasons why it's probably a bad idea. But I think the sixty-second limit is probably maybe one of the best ways to enforce it if they do mm. implement it. I like that as the most. That seems like the most sensible solution, just in terms of all the kind of ways it could be abused. Yeah, I think a lot of the abuse gets so cut that's, off. Yeah, having that, and inevitably people will then do yes, it, and exactly. you know they'll complain that just after sixty seconds they spotted the typo or whatever, and you know, but. I mean, okay, here's a clever way. You have to donate a certain amount to uh, charity yeah. after that 60-second <laughs> limit. There you That's go. That. Pay, pay to edit. There you go. Would Elon Genius. ever go for that? <laughs> well, he might have to go for a charity. But... <laughs> donate. Yeah. Donate to SpaceX. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to Tesla. Also, can I just say that um, Ed yeah. Ball's day is 11 years old this year, and it is exactly three, oh three weeks away. It's going to be on a fast charge day at the oh end of the month. Oh, my God. Oh, wow. Cannot wait for that. Get, get a feature Wait, ready. So get a feature Woo-hoo. ready. The history of Ed Ball's day. <laughs> so, yeah, is the episode going to be oh, <laughs> fast charge? I, I wonder if we can get Ed Ball's on the show. I know. I wonder what he's up to we'll these ju- days. We'll just, yeah. watch that, oh my God. we'll just watch that clip of him doing Gangnam Style on Strictly Come Dancing. <laughs> <laughs> the most politically charged fast charge. Yeah. I know Ed Balls has celebrated Ed Balls Day a couple of times. He's, he's commemorated it. I think once he's, or twice he's leaning into it now. How does one celebrate Ed Balls Day, though? I, I guess just tweeting Ed Balls. Yeah. That would be the traditional way. Yeah. I guess. I think I saw him, you know, but I'm not entirely sure it was him. It looked very like him. <laughs> just sort of walking past in the street. They just didn't want to make a make a fuss or anything. She was just mad under your breath. I think that's Ed Balls. Ed Balls. <laughs> <laughs> 
That's a weird. That's a weird pull. I get all the hot celebrity titans. I get him Maybe. and Reverend Richard Coles at Kring's Cross. <laughs> People don't even it's know done. who he is. <laughs> I'm at... I saw your blank face. Yeah, no, I've got no idea. <laughs> no clue. But good for you, right? Hannah. I'm glad yeah. you maybe saw him. <laughs> Good for you. (laughs) I think that's probably enough for this week. We've reached the point where we're chatting about minor British celebrity sightings (laughs) on what's meant to be a relatively global smartphone podcast. So we've clearly run out of relevant things to say. Uh, We will be back same time, same place next week. I think definitely next week's most exciting chat is going to be around Vivo's launch event on Monday, talking about the X Note and the X Fold. Uh, I personally can't wait to see what Vivo has up its sleeve there. So we'll be chatting about those and whatever else comes around next week. So make sure to come back and tune in for that. And until then, bye for now.